Hey everybody, welcome to episode 44 of Tactical Crouch, we're a competitive Overwatch podcast. I'm your host, Kick Tripod, joined, of course, by the two biggest brains in competitive Overwatch, the German curmudgeon himself, Yiska, and the Overwatch Oracle, Volumel. And we've got a guest, though, this week. It's not about us, it's about this guy coming in. Uh, we've brought an equally large, if not much larger, Brain under the show this week. (laughs) Okay, there we go. Um, He's been on the show before. He's a former coach for Florida Mayhem Misfits. Host what should be your second favorite competitive Overwatch podcast in Tempo Shift. It's Mineral. Welcome back to the show. It can be your first favorite. It doesn't hurt our feelings. But Thanks uh, thanks for having me. It's my first favorite. I heard, uh, I think, in one of the episodes, a couple of episodes back that you guys did, you mentioned that there's no, no, you haven't had a single guest on twice, so I thought I'd uh, come and uh, grab that record. <laughs> there you go. Is that true? I believe yeah. you guys said it, like, a couple of episodes back. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang. No, we, I guess. we didn't have doubles. And I think Curry Shot would have been the first double, right? Oh, he missed out on the title. <laughs> Get no. wrecked, Curry Shot. Oof. <laughs> Yeah, I don't you think we've had. I don't think we've had sideshow on <laughs> twice, huh? No, I don't think we did. Huh? I'm well, there sure. you go. Well, I'm not sure. uh, I'm not you know, hey, congratulations! Know. You made it. First dual, first dual guest. The beauty of streaming is that somebody will correct us if we're wrong. Third, yes. third time you get a jacket, like a nice little, nice tactical crouch jacket. So, uh, you know, let's make it happen again. Mm-hmm. We do have a ton to talk about, though, so we're going to kind of skip the pleasantries and go straight into it. Uh, before we do, though, the news this week is brought to you by our patron producers, Battle Crab, Maid, and Peter Y. If you like the show and want to support, go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch. Uh, we've got a lot of great perks. We've got game nights. We've got our special tactical crouch crouchers channel in Yiska's Discord, which seems to be one of the smarter and more intellectual and tame conversations but still filled with memes uh so you know our basically what we're saying is our patrons are the best and they're smart and they have big brains and so if you think you have a big brain apparently not because you're not a patron yet is basically what i'm trying to say uh again patreon.com slash tactical crouch that's enough of that yiska i get the yiska of a disapproval the that's by by being a patron you gain 40 iq points it's it's definitely one whole wrinkle it's true it's like uh yeah nothing i'm not gonna say it okay we do we do have a lot to talk about and this just broke right before the show we haven't even gone through this all the way i stopped the guys i said let's just go through this blind because we basically are anyway and let's just get initial reactions on this as much as we can and uh we'll go from there and see how we uh how we do so uh basically just before the show went live not like what two minutes before the show went live it literally still says on the on the the article it was published two minutes ago that's how fresh this is fresh news right here we got a new blog post on the overwatch league site saying uh Titled 2020 Roster Construction Rules. I'm going to give you the synopsis, and then we're going to go through these one by one. The 2019 Overwatch League season concludes on September 29th at Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. And while the league goes on break after that, there's much to be done behind the scenes for all 20 teams to ensure they're ready for 2020. 
As such, the league has set the following guidelines in place for roster construction, which includes significant changes to two-way player contracts. Jesus Christ, you nailed that. You know how how many takes I would have taken to to record this for Overwatch League Daily. I used to and do. That's why you're not a host. <laughs> you, I used to I used to do some VO work for like Tempo Storm, and I got pretty good at reading it. But still, um, yeah, it's it's not easy to read. Although okay. you you took too many takes, Yiska. I, you should have just like. There's a few guests on Overwatch League Daily who would do this, and they would like want their takes to be perfect. When I went through and edited all their takes anyways to be perfect. So, like, yeah. I thank you for saving me, whatever, 15 or 20 minutes. But, uh, you tried too hard, basically. Yeah. How often do you hear I that mean, in life? Oh, you tried too hard. Every video game. <laughs> <laughs> True. Dude, that TFT, man, is getting me right now. I tell you. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm, yeah. Are you playing TFT? Tell now? me about it. Yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. We uh, talked I'm about addicted. this a little bit. Yeah. I just just before this podcast, I thought let me squeeze one game in, and I just had diamond, so I'm pretty happy about that. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice. Awesome. I I think Are you I, playing on EU. Yeah, EU West. Yiski, okay. you're just on NA now, right? Yeah. That's Honestly, what you have to do, Minerals. You just have to go NA because that's where all of us cool kids are playing. Yeah, I'm gonna get master in EU, and then when I move to NA. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Should we talk about Overwatch? We shall. Yeah, we should. Let's do that. Okay. We, we, so, we nailed that intro, but um, then let's we, see what those changes are. So let's go with the changes. First of all, key dates. September 30th of this year, 2019, the signing window opens for teams to exercise team options on existing player contracts, negotiate extensions with currently signed players, or sign players from their affiliated academy teams competing in contenders. Has this... Have we ever had that draw between uh, contenders, uh, affiliate or academy teams and their yeah. parent teams? Have we had that before where there's some special rules in place? Uh, I mean, in terms of getting uh, to sign your academy players before anyone gets access to them, I think that was in place last year, too. Uh, right before, you know, they, they like the expansion teams can get to touch them. You have the choice to potentially agree. Uh, with your academy players to sign. Like, that's how we signed uh, Hoggle, for instance, last year. So I don't think this has changed necessarily. How, like, what is the protection from, for the academy team player to not be lowballed on their salary? Oh, he doesn't have to agree. Okay. Okay. It's just if he wants to, and both, team, both the team and the player agree to a, to a deal, but he doesn't have to. He can definitely go into the free agency and then the same rules apply where if he agrees to a deal, you have the opportunity to match. But this just offers a window where maybe if you can reach an agreement and it's reasonable, maybe you can avoid a bidding war. I, I would say, are there, if you're an agent, is there any way where you say, take that contract immediately before you know what the other offers are on the table? Or should you always advise players to uh, lay or... or decline the first instance hmm. no question i'm not sure i mean it's a bench question right there i'm gonna hold that for when we get bench on the show like hmm. if you're gonna actually have if you know you're gonna have a bidding war for you then obviously you shouldn't you know the same way 
the, the way Decay, for instance, waited out the not only this period, but also the period where the expansion teams could sign players. He waited that out, and then there was a bidding war for him after that. Uh, so it just depends on the market, because you don't want to end up in a situation where, well, I'm going to wait for what the market, uh, you know, see if there's a bidding war sure. for me, but then I don't agree, so my team is going to look at other players. Maybe they'll grab someone else, and then I'm yeah. out of a job. So it just depends on what you perceive your, whether you're comfortable I enough, I think, to be. bet yes. on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go to October 7th. So just a, a little over a week later, or a week later, or whatever, teams that have completed exercising or declining all existing contract options may submit free agent player contracts to the league office for approval. Teams may also submit player trades for approval. Okay? Okay. All right, I'm down with that. Just over a month later, November 11th, 2019, season agreements officially end. Any player not under contract into the 2020 seasons becomes a free agent. In order to facilitate these players signing with new teams before the initial roster deadline, those players set to become free agents in November are permitted to discuss contracts with other teams before their 2019 contracts formally expire. So That's my under, so going back to the September 30th thing then, so my understanding is that players can't really talk to other teams there's there's basically a time where the team and the player have time to like parlay yeah. on their own, mm -hmm. see if they can reach an agreement before they go to free agency. Which is nice. Yeah, I mean you decide you decide whether you're gonna pick up the options pretty much. Got it. Or you're gonna exercise or not. So that's pretty much the biggest thing, I think. Got it. All right, November 15th, the deadline for all teams to have a minimum of eight players under contract. Teams may sign or trade players until June 15th of 2020 at 5 p.m. Take a screenshot of this now. Put it somewhere really easy for people to find because every year this, yeah. this date, the trade deadline, gets posted in a document that's not really Google searchable and we never get it. Put it on Liquipedia. Mm -hmm. Somebody do it, please, so that we can just have that there. But yeah, trade deadline, June 15th, 2020 at 5 p.m. Pacific. And players who were born on or before June 15th, 2002. Dude, I was in middle school. <laughs> I was in middle school. Yeah. Are eligible to sign Overwatch League contracts for the 2020 season. That is very late, isn't it? Wasn't it May this year, and the season's even longer than the one next year? Doesn't the season start later? No, it started, what, February 14th, right? Valentine's Day. Yeah, but it's, it it's done by, I mean, according to the information I have uh, that was in the report, by end of August, which is a month shorter than this year. And the deadline still is... Now they actually made the deadline the same as the signing window deadline, which I guess makes some sense. But yeah, I mm. think, for, for instance, June 15th, uh, yeah, I can't think of a player that would have been el eligible if that was the roster deadline this year. But I know that uh, certain, I'm sure, for instance, that Fusion tried to push that deadline back in order to get alarm on this season. Mm -hmm. Like, just imagine it now. You would have come in for stage four. That would have been perfect for them, right? But yeah. yeah. All right. 
Any other thoughts on that before we go into the Contenders Academy roster rules? So far, so good. So far, so good. We're just laying the base right now, chat. And keep your pants on. Or take them off. We can't see. I don't care. Time to take the pants pants off, boys. Pants are coming off on this next one. Yiska doesn't even have pants. Like, he just doesn't do the show with pants on. But he does wear that shirt a lot on Tuesdays. (laughs) This is Joe's shirt. Oh, (laughs) we got the knee. Patron-only content, by the way. (laughs) The Yiska knee. Racy. All right, let's take a look at the contenders slash academy roster rules. The following guidelines are unchanged from 2019. Contenders rosters will be capped at eight players. Overwatch League teams may reach out to all contenders players to arrange tryouts and negotiate contracts. Signings of a contenders player are subject to payment of a buyout fee made by the Overwatch League team to the contenders team. Buyout fees carry no set minimum and are capped at 100% of the player's average annual base salary in the Overwatch League, plus any signing bonuses, as well as subject to any contractual limitation on such fees in the applicable contender's contract. The League office may institute select blackout windows during each season to minimize disruption to the completion or competition leading up to and during contender's playoffs. Okay. Now, what's interesting about that is they made the distinction that these are unchanged, right? So these have been in effect for this season. Mm-hmm. They've had the power to black out, to, to deny any trades, or, or set a period of you can't trade with, within these parameters this year. And we haven't really heard much about that. So I'm interested to see if that's going to be announced if that's yet to be announced, if it's happened and it's never been announced, that's pretty interesting to me. And that's that's just for Overwatch contenders to Overwatch League, apparently, right? Because yes. wasn't there some some spat about uh, London or not London, uh, British Hurricane, like taking a player right before playoffs or something? Yeah. That I know people were pretty. Pissy about. But they were they were also like that that, that I think that whole thing's just like hard. <laughs> unfortunate because their their player got poached to the Overwatch League they had to fill a spot unfortunately came from the lower you know not poached tier three picked team. up yeah picked up and really not poached yeah so so yeah I, I, as you can we'll tell I clearly don't know enough about the situation I just remember people are like wow right before playoffs way to go guys yeah. kind of thing so um, that's apparently still a potential hazard um, bro smat bro smat <laughs> bro smat bro smat I don't know I don't care for these teams that are honestly sad that when a fellow teammate gets poached by a better opportunity that's just the nature of the game also 95% of the time, the poaching takes place because the academy team itself got poached on. Yes. That seemingly never gets uh, acknowledged in all these very, very angry internet uh, you can sign. Uh, you can sign any other, any other players, just not players on my team. Don't, yeah. don't mess with players on my team. You can go sign that guy's team, but don't touch my team, please. It's like, come on, guys. Mineral, I see you biting your lip a little bit there. How do you feel? <laughs> no, I mean, it doesn't, again, none of these things have changed. I, I mean, in terms of just poaching, poaching is obviously, as far as I know, it's when you do it kind of illegally. Other than yes. that, it's just picking mm-hmm. up players, right? If there's no foul play, that's what you're playing for. You're playing to get picked up. 
Yeah. Players are going to get picked up before playoffs. Rosters are going to fall apart at contenders. That is just kind of how it, it works. And again, none of this is new. None of this has changed. So, um, you know, I, I didn't actually know about that blackout window. Yeah. That that was in place. Yeah. I actually didn't know about that rule, but I don't think it was ever enforced this year. So who knows what, <laughs> no. what that is for. <laughs> I would imagine going towards maybe gauntlet something might happen where like okay these these guys are kind of locked into this competition we're flying them out to korea as it's been announced um maybe they kind of halt any trades or any negotiations happening while they're playing in gauntlet i don't know it's it's very bizarre that this is the first time we've heard about it but it's also unchanged kind of speaks to the transparency it's like come on guess or maybe just the just like the sheer level of like the weight of that event in order for it to have to happen if we've seen some situations in the past that have caused uproar it's just not to that threshold yet so basically i guess what we're seeing and then is that it's just it has to be a pretty big deal um, let's keep going on in 2020 contenders seems affiliated with an overwatch league organization must compete in the same geographic region as their parent team to be eligible for an Academy team designation. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Wow. Which is, which has always been kind of assumed, right? I mean, we saw like Montreal rebellion for, um, uh, Toronto defiant, right? Which Immediately, it was one of those where it's like, why Montreal? Why blah, blah, blah? I, I'm guessing they had this info. <laughs> then, are there any teams that right now don't have academy teams in their host region? I think the Fusion. one that jumps out is Fusion. Yeah. Because they're playing in Korea right now. Yeah. And not North America. Yeah, they... <clears throat> That's an interesting one, because theoretically, they are other subsidiaries of um exactly and that's why i want to get to that next point which is very wait you you wait what you okay it's right there come on come on you cheat okay if an overwatch league team wishes to operate a contenders affiliate in a different geographic region they may do so subject to the following qualifications the overwatch league organization must have meaningful local infrastructure in place and the Overwatch League right. organization will not okay. receive Academy team benefits, including, but not limited to exercising the right to match player contract offers. Teams that previously held Academy team status and transferred to a new region may have grandfathered Academy team rights for a limited window of time. Okay. Right. <clears throat> Sorry, this, maybe we should, this... like, complete thoughts. We'll go thought by thought rather than line by line. Yes. It, it does make sense, though, because that rule might as well be called the Fusion Academy rule. Yes. That is, okay, for those that don't know, uh, I think it's Comcast Spectacore has, uh, I'm not sure if they own. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know the exact business deal, but, but they're but partnered in some way. For instance, the, the former uh, Overwatch League analyst for the Fusion, uh, BZ, works for SKTT1 right now, right? I mean... There's not much of a leap of understanding to be made. Also, yes, you do lose um, the ability to have your advantages as a contenders affiliate, which in all effect will probably make it so that you have to pay more for the player you want from your academy team then. Fusion G doesn't care. I don't think they care. Like, depending on what... Okay, 
maybe fusion we we don't know actually what the next year will look like because it's very possible that they'll just promote the entire contenders team nobody other than i think nice is um underage underaged that it could just mean maybe they don't want one right now and they got their talent for the next couple of years which for the most part is not probably not wrong right but um if it wasn't like that i think Fusion could just also drizzle and uh, get the players that they are formally uh, raising in Korea by just spending and also having a better relationship through, through these players through that connection. So beyond the teams, I think that are that kind of have teams now. I think it's interesting to think about uh, this point that it, you know some people in chat are mentioning, like teams that get screwed. So basically full Korean teams in other regions that would have probably have wanted a full Korean uh, contenders roster, right? To be able to pull players up. So obviously Mayhem dropping their roster now, because you still have to adhere by the same rules, presumably. You can only have a maximum of three import slots, so you can't have a full Korean roster. So Mayhem being a full Korean Isle roster won't be able to have that. You look at a team like Vancouver won't be able to have that. That's a great um, point. Yeah. Let's see. Who, who else do we have? We have... Um, I mean, Shanghai Dragons is a bit of a weird one too, right? Here's the because, thing. That is yeah. not technically true what, what you're saying. No. You could no. absolutely just change the region in your Battlenet account and field six players if you wanted to be audacious. That is currently possible under the contenders. But I mean, that should be that should be changed. Like that that shouldn't yes, be a case. That should not be. I'm I'm, assu I'm assuming they will get on that and, and they'll actually fix that if they um, try maybe to it's further it, down. Right? Or are they already but, exploiting that? But but maybe uh, so, maybe it's further. I'm not sure. But I mean, this kind of place a little bit, I guess. Suppose because there are more Western teams right now than. Um, uh, Eastern teams. This kind of plays a little bit to Yiska's point, the point that he's been making a lot of these pods, that it, there's a lot of value in mixed rosters heading into the future. And, you know, like London, obviously, they, 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 all, they already have a roster in Europe, so they will never be able to have a full Korean team there either. So, uh, interesting. Interesting to see how all of this um, works out. But, well, I, th I guess American teams with a lot of American players are going to benefit from this. I think like teams like Valiant, this is uh, a good rule for, I suppose. I mean, Seoul Dynasty is just a big winner in all of these discussions, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> As yes. always. Yeah. The Seoul prop up rule changes. I like it. There's like, yeah. we can't, there can't be a team that Fleta is on that is just not winning everything. The, we're not ready for that world. Sadly, no. we might be. We might be ready. Joe, I think, is ready. Ready for what? I'm kind of focused on he's, like the word he's meaning. He's skipping ahead again, dude. No, I'm, re I'm reading <laughs> what we're on. We had an I'm, agreement, Joe! I'm not reading ahead. I'm literally just reading what's in front of me. Get the boo, man. Unreal. What, what is meaningful local infrastructure to you? <laughs> that is <laughs> very vague. Do I have? Do I have? Do I have a PO box like in Brazil? I can have a Brazilian academy team. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Super that just means the league that to decide? league approved. <sighs> Which I would have just but, said league approved at that point, but yeah. But does it even make sense to have a roster in another region if your place can just get taken off your roster at any point and you don't have a chance to protect them? I mean, certainly current, you can't... Current academy teams reserve that academy 
right? Right. So like that wouldn't yeah. affect fusion, right? Because they wow. have academy status, so they could go yes. and it for an presumably they'll be grandfathered in as well. An undetermined yeah. public, but privately presumably determined time. Yes. Hmm. So yeah, it gives them some time to go, hey, is. Fusion, you might want to come on back. But We're it's going to give you like a season, the... but you might want to come on back. <laughs> it's also like the hurricane question. It's like, okay, well, why do you have a fully Korean team but have a fully European contenders team and not try to supply that? Like, there there are ways that teams find value in, in contenders that aren't specifically feeding into the main roster. I, I Again, I, I've always thought that it would be interesting and a good PR look for a team to just go into a, an underdeveloped region and just be like, okay, we're going to put a team house here. That's meaningful local infrastructure. We're going to, you know, I don't know, just mm. PR it up. Doesn't it seem, though, that the... And then you can still have an academy, I guess. Front is office is kind of saying, though, hey, we want, we want this to mimic more traditional... Uh, sports infrastructures which yiska i know hates in the sense that they want players to go from open division to british hurricane to london spitfire rather than open division to british hurricane to you know uh wherever else like they want more of that happening is i mean is that's what these rules say to me is they want more players going through the ranks in the respective organizations obviously you're still going to have Overwatch League teams uh, taking, not taking, but uh, signing teams from other uh, contenders teams and academy teams because it's it happens all the time in traditional sports too. I don't know why they would want to change that, but it sounds like they want a more linear route and a system that supports a more linear route through an organization rather than a jump like these kind of weird diagonal jumps from organization to organization until you land at a completely different Overwatch League organization. Yeah. It's honestly, can you think of a player that was actually raced on an academy team, not just held and is also now a starter for a team? There are not that many um, examples, right? Does it have to be on the same academy team? As in, like, yes, from the organization. Uh, Otherwise, yeah. yes, you can say fusion. You can hop from Yeah, that's what I was yeah, going to yeah. say. But, I mean, from mm -hmm. coming from contenders, being relatively unknown, being raised I mean, there, going Chad, to the main... Can Chad you even, brings up some good points, but uh, I don't know. Can Nero, you even I say guess. That, um, can you even say that for fusions? Because, I mean, he you could argue he grew up in British Hurricane. He played a very limited amount of time in Boston and then moved up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's why I was that's making I mean. the distinction yeah. of like, okay, what if he was just yeah. always on an academy team? Yeah, so. Nene. De Nene is definitely a good uh, yeah. example. Even though Nene was already nuts in Korea and yes. already yeah. during Apex, w right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Do we include any of the uh, Defiant guys who came from Montreal? Like the thing is, all of those had careers prior to joining Montreal, is what I'm saying. Oh, I think prior. just a rookie player immediately yeah. put into an academy roster, fostered there, put in the main roster for the mm. Overwatch League. Not too many. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Trill? I, re I redact my comment. Never happened. Trill? Edit it out. Maybe. Trill? Yeah, we could argue Trill. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to die on the hill that he uh, practiced and got his career in, in Australia. That's not what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for doing that. Let's talk about two-way players. Mm -hmm. So another right. last big bit 
The 2020 season will introduce an evolution of the two-way player contract to incorporate player and team feedback from the 2019 season. Hey, who would have thought that? The former two-way player format was perfect. Teams and players may negotiate the right to designate the player as eligible to compete on an affiliated contender's team. Any player on the roster may agree to be eligible for contender's play, but a maximum of four players may be designated as two-way players at any given time. Has that changed? I don't think so. Is that two, was it two, three, or four? I can't remember. I thought it was... I'm, I could have swore it was just four. Anyways, two-way players are eligible to compete in contenders subject to the following rules. Regardless of where they play, two-way players count toward the Overwatch League roster limit and must earn the same salary and benefits. Two-way players also will count toward the eight-player contender's roster limit for weeks in which their contender's team designates them as eligible to compete. Designated two-way players will lose their contender's eligibility for a 60-day period if they appear in more than two Overwatch League matches within any 30-day period. That period of ineligibility begins or resets upon the player appearing in their third Overwatch League match within a 30-day period. Any, two, any two-way player who competes in more than 50% of their team's total maps played in the 2020 Overwatch League season will be ineligible to compete in contenders during the offseason period. Mm-hmm. A maximum of two, uh, four two-way players may compete in a single contenders match, an increase from the two-player cap for 2019. After appearing in any Overwatch League match, two-way players are ineligible to compete in the contenders' matches for the following week, i.e., if a player competes in the Overwatch League on a Thursday, he or she cannot participate in contenders until the following Thursday. Finally, two-way players may compete in contenders prior to the start of the 2020 Overwatch League season, if those players are Overwatch League rookies, or if those players competed in fewer than two Overwatch League matches in Stage 4 of the 2019 season. That's okay. why everybody's getting benched. <laughs> That's why. We solved it. We got it. Okay, lots to digest there. Uh, Mineral. What are the big mm-hmm. things? I mean, you've spent a lot of time, um, obviously, especially uh, with like Mayhem Academy, things like that. What, yeah. what really stands out here as being uh, a big deal uh, for Academy teams, Overwatch League teams, and, and how you structure that transition that Overwatch is trying to facilitate? Mm-hmm. So first off, I think the first two paragraphs, I don't think that's really changed. Maybe the, some of the numbers have changed, but mm-hmm. overall, like in essence, everything's kind of the same. It's what we discussed before uh, before we started rolling as well in terms of, okay, if a player appears in a third Overwatch League match, he loses his contenders eligibility, but he can still, you know, obviously can still move up. Now, the last line uh, to me is basically there i think to avoid the situation that we had this year uh, the situation with fusions the situation with apply and elk where uh, they could only play heading into the year they could only play um in stage one they could only play two games or they had to 
change their contract and opt out of their mm -hmm. two-way, basically. So that to me, that's what it changes. And th all of those three players were actually rookies. None of them had actually played in the Overwatch League. So this rule kind of protects them, which I like. Um, let's see, what else do we have? We have... Uh, I mean, th those are my biggest takeaways from, from the difference from this season. Uh, any two-way players who compete more than 50%. And the fact that you can't actually move down to uh, contenders if you compete in too many matches. I mean, this again, this protects, I, I suppose, the contender scene so that you can just move down your two-way players and have them, uh, you know, dominate and win some money in contenders and then move them back up. Mm -hmm. Also kind of reasonable. Um, yeah, I mean, no, nothing too big. I think it's the, the last paragraph, I think, is the biggest change and it's, uh, it's good. Yeah. What I will say is, this is, and I haven't seen any official league rules, but this is the most technical rule application I've seen yeah. so far. And it also makes a lot of sense and actually incorporates the exact issues that we faced this season, plus some that are, I know, that are uh, concerns for a couple of teams uh, currently in Overwatch League looking forward to next year. So overall, I think that is. I'm, I'm not mad at anything here, and I'm mostly positive on all, all of these changes, uh, unless I'm overseeing something, but yeah. Makes sense. I don't think so. And again, this is all... So, from the moment this blog dropped, we've been recording. So, if there's like some other like follow-up post by a dev somewhere, or something like that or some like overwatch league talent has already tweeted yeah. some like whatever we haven't seen it so like some holes to poke cut us some slack okay guys <laughs> like we we did what we could with two minutes to go but overall uh i just want to get overall thoughts here yiska i know i feel like you've been probably the most vocal on the show about your um dislike of the current two-way system um overall is this a big is is a is this an improvement and b is this a big enough improvement so first and foremost i like that we get transparency like i for instance mm. don't know what the deal was with bazzi that uh he was a two-way player went back uh, or was, I, I think they officially announced it even, that uh, Bazzi was moving to the contenders team. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what the deal was, and interpreting based on the, um, on the spirit of the rule, I assumed that Bazzi would still be under this two-match uh, two uh, limitation, also looking towards the gauntlet, right? And also looking towards playoffs, and what is... Like it says to, uh, it used to say, I think two matches a stage. Now it's differently defined as in 30 days and 60 days, uh, these windows. So uh, it will certainly add some clarity. It will also help, honestly, all this mess that we had in stage one would have not happened if we had a clear definition because someone on the internet will always nerd out, read these and say, wait a minute. And then it gets signal boosted. And then teams beforehand would have known. The situation that Fusions is standing there with his mouse and, mouse and keyboard in hand and saying, oh, oh, okay, we're going to play. And someone says, wait, you're not eligible. Uh, Axiom, let's go. That um, 
scenarios like this cannot happen because we're now crowdsourcing, if you want, uh, th that we're keeping the roads. Cool. All right. Yiska signs off. Loves the transparency of it. Mineral, how about you? Where, where, where are your original? Where's your heart set right now? You, you a big fan of these changes? Uh, are they incremental? Yeah, I think they're good. I think it's just it just shows that the league has learned from sort of the errors that that were in place, um, or kind of I guess the lack of clarity that there was uh, during the season. They adjusted to that. I'm reading the right to match paragraph again a little bit. That that's one of the things that I think is new as well potentially. Uh, it says contenders academy teams affiliated with Overwatch League organizations may negotiate right to match clauses. So that's interesting as well, because like, I do believe is that a change as well? The fact these right to match clauses, I do believe that they were kind of default in every um, academy contract, but maybe now you can, uh, you know, it's a subject to negotiation. Maybe you don't have to um, have that in those contracts. Maybe that's a change, which. Uh, hmm. I'm, I'm sure all the Overwatch League teams would want that, but mm -hmm. um, maybe another tool to negotiate over and uh, create some more leverage, I guess, for, for the players for in certain players, situations. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Cool. Joe, what about you, man? How are you sitting? I mean, it seems fine. Um, nothing... Again, it's, it's so hard. It's a lot of technical jargon, a lot of legalese in a way that I, I'd have to sit and like try to poke holes and think of, you know, ways that this could be bad. Everything so far seems very reactionary to, you know, to everybody else's points, like problems that have already existed are now being fixed. Net positive. That's a great thing for everybody involved. Um, apparently, uh, sifting through chat, apparently mag is able to be signed. So should be the decay of next Ooh. season, probably. Mm, alarm, my friend. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Obviously. Had to get Wait, that I don't, one. I, don't, I don't think that's that's obvious though. Wait, this that's insane. Wait, wait when is the deadline? Fifteenth? And it, he's he June fifteenth, <laughs> eighteen on on the twelfth? That yep. is insane. Yeah, nice. Yep. No, he just squeaks in. So Jeez. should be a an exciting uh bidding process for that uh, young man stage three sato as uh, uh, season three mm -hmm. sato <laughs> without the I, boosting yeah, yes without the boosting yes <laughs> very important <laughs> surprisingly yes very important so anyways that is the breakdown of the new roster construction rules i'm sure we will get a bunch more information not a bunch more information but we'll get a lot more we'll get some someone's gonna say something it's gonna, like, make, oh. it's gonna make something that we said wrong and just shut up on YouTube about it. <laughs> just shut up about it. But Sideshow said that this is bad. Yeah. I'm also sure from the maybe from the sense of an of a player or agent, there might be some technicality that we're not considering right now that yeah. could make it very unfavorable for yes. players or yes. where they are losing leverage in uh, how they are. Yeah. Getting contracts. For instance, it is possible that this uh, matching rule becomes established among all those affiliate teams, and that every team that doesn't have a uh, um, um, an academy roster and doesn't want to uh, have 
substantial funds invested into it, just gets some team, affiliated team. Maybe the entirety of Contenders Korea might actually look affiliated at that point, right? And if then that is established as a um, as a standard, it's it's it probably then also maybe gets harder for European players. I could, could see. Um, can you be affiliated without being an academy team? That was my question. Yeah, like, it like doesn't, presumably doesn't so, anything. right? Like yeah. the the wording is kind of specific, and they use academy team in some places and affiliated team in other places. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, a Team CC in China. They're run by Shanghai Dragons. So, like, it's not Shanghai Dragons Academy, but it's an affiliation uh, with that organization and that team. Mm -hmm. So, that's one is, of those examples. Is there some verbiage in there that limits the amount of affiliation you may have? Um, I'm not sure if... I mean, not to, to, to yes, guess point, but I'm pretty sure Team CC is their academy, too. So that, that was my understanding is just because they like you can have an academy team, but they don't have to be called Shanghai Academy. Yes, they don't have to be designated right? in the name, but they're they all just to, to Shanghai's point. They do have another affiliated team, Fiat Lux in Pacific, which mm -hmm. isn't in an academy oh. team. I'm pretty sure CC is their academy team. I could be wrong. Chat, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But, but is Team CC owned by Shanghai Dragons? Yes, from my understanding. Oh, OK. Same thing. The, the interesting oh. part could also be that each team is allowed one affiliate per region, maybe the affiliation based on a negotiation actually results in some funds going towards that team. And we have more subsidization of contenders regions? regions everywhere, or not everywhere, but at least in the top ones. Maybe. That seems good, right? On paper. But because you can't, more for instance, not deny. I mean, yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, like they're, you cannot, they're definitely sorry. untapped regions, right? Like South America, I think, is one region that we, you know, is. I would say personally, from what, and again, it's been a little bit while since I've casted or you know done really deep research into South America, but relatively untapped. There's a lot of people who a love that region of South America. Mm -hmm. South American fans are a, a, a lot there, but also a lot of talent there. We've seen this in multiple esports where South America for some reason just struggles to get like that mainstream recognition that you know Korea or EU or NA get yeah i mean there's just not as much infrastructure not as much funding so yeah you, you, un, un, until something is untapped you know like in CS:GO the way uh, the LG SK MIBR guys came up and then all of a sudden that becomes a gold mine for talent and you have three or four kind of world, world class teams for years to come so it, mm -hmm. it just takes kind of one team or you know a group of players to break out uh, and then there's you know more money goes into developing talent there and because now there's like there's no talent in any of those i mean sorry there's no money in um, mm -hmm. any of those regions so it's it's very difficult to develop yeah small correction on my end apparently it was not fiat lux it's cyclone coupling which is their uh shanghai's affiliate team in pacific okay so yeah, yeah. So hopefully if that is the case then seems good go all around spread out a little bit more money to regions that a don't have a, a franchise position there to have an academy team and you know spread some support i think it's unfortunately good. this also means that 
the thing that we spec speculated that all Overwatch League franchises might be forced to have, to a have at least an affiliate. Um, I mean, they would probably have this in there if that was going yeah. to be the case, right? Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that's happening. And and really, it's there's the rules kind of deter some of the team, like Philly Fusion, for instance. You know, they kind of explained the reasoning. There was no reason for them to stay in North America. So this might lead to them actually dropping out. So it's a good point. I think, it, you know, Vancouver, they don't have a team. Well, do they want to get one in Vancouver when they have a fully Korean roster with only maximum yeah. three import slots? Maybe, maybe not, you know, who, who, who really knows? So really, I mean, the rules could potentially, you know, it's forcing you to develop uh, talent on a more regional basis, I suppose. Uh, but it's also for a lot of teams that just maybe financially doesn't make sense. So we'll see how it plays out, I guess. All right, let's move on because we've got a lot going on here. And one of the big things that has just happened, well, not just happened, but over the past week, uh, Overwatch Lee or Overwatch World Cup teams have started to kind of come out of the woodwork. We're just around the corner here and uh, teams are presenting their final 12 players. I would say most notably, we've seen rosters from Team USA, Canada, China, South Korea, and the UK this week. And uh, just a, rem a reminder, these are the final 12, but teams can only take seven to BlizzCon. So uh, it's, man, that's a whole can of worms in itself, right? Um, I, have, I have an image, and I didn't put it up on the thing. I'm going to put it up on the stream now. Give me a second, because I want to talk about Team USA first. Team USA, let's go. Boom. Loop it. Let's do it. Team USA roster. Let's bring it up. Boom. There's the Team USA roster. It's the one I want to talk about. On DPS, you've got Dante, Corey, Sinatra, KSF, and Hydration. On Tank, Muma, Super, Fact Fiction, and Space. And on Support, you've got Sleepy, Moth, and Rockus. <sighs> Man, uh, Joe, since we are the resident born in the United States Americans here. We get first stab at this one. Uh, U.S. has had, uh, we've, we've had a very disappointing Overwatch World Cup for the past, I would say three years, right? In the sense that well, I don't, we haven't won yet one, really? we're Americans that haven't won. I hate it. Is that aggressive? That felt maybe a little bit, a little bit. All right. But, uh, and every year I feel like the, uh, I don't know, the pressure compounds upon itself to find the right combination of players and coaches to bring together that winning team. And this is the team that we've got. And I want to hear your original thought, I, like your, your just thoughts. What are your thoughts on this team so far? Uh, out of 12, I think it's they all the names you'd expect. Um, out of the people who obviously want to actually compete, there are some who have opted out. Obviously, we've seen in other regions. Um, out of the 12, it seems fine. I think the hard decision is filing it down to seven. Yeah. And that question is very difficult to answer because you've got a lot of pretty competitive 
I, I mean, I'm looking at it. There are some some shoe-ins, obviously. Like, I think Moth probably gets fit in from everything that we've heard with Mo- him on Shaw. Yeah, Moth and Space were both uh, mentioned by Arrow as being exceptional standouts in their roles. Yeah. So, th- so I be, think that you can kind of difficult. assume that those two yeah. are, you know, two of the seven. So there's five more slots yeah. available. Can, can we briefly talk about the meta decisions that most no! co- coaches yes. have to yes, make? Yes, we can. Yes. Be- because it's like when you file down to seven players, right? Yeah. The question is, where you, do you double up? And it looks like most teams are doubling up on DPS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think I now that I think now that I see this, I think the the US should as well, which goes against some things I've said behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that, Mineral? That you should have the most flexibility on DPS going into yeah. the meta from this standpoint right now? Yeah, for sure. Especially if you want to bring sort of specialist players um, that, you know, maybe excel at one or two heroes, but can't cover everything. Uh, definitely. I think that's that's where you double up. I think you need mo- most consistency you need in the front line and the back line, and then DPS, it just rotates based on map, based on what compositions you want to run. And I think, like, looking at this roster as well, um, when it comes to DPS, if that's where you double up and two guys have to fall off, it's it's kind of hard to make a decision with this roster, I think, because if you think uh, strictly in terms of versatility, Dante and KSF are the most flexible, I think, on this roster. Uh, KSF has a Widow, which Dante hasn't really shown, but Dante has you know very solid picks across the board. He has mm-hmm. a solid Tracer as well. Um, Corey is obviously the Widow specialist, the Hitscan specialist, but do you want to bring Corey, or do you want to bring KSF who can fill the Widow and fill like a bunch of other heroes as well? very competently and then look to get in maybe hydration there in a sinatra get more of a specialist because if you look at hydration i think on this roster he's probably got the best genji he's probably got the best farah uh arguable in terms of doomfist him and sinatra both have very strong doomfists uh in terms of who has the best tracer probably still sinatra maybe close between dante and sinatra so very difficult to see in which ways um in which way to go with this roster but it feels like one of KSF and Dante has to definitely be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do, what do you guys think? So I personally think the one thing I don't know when you need to announce yourself. Yes, if you need to do it now, well. right? If you don't, if you can wait till September, I definitely wait until the last possible. Yeah, we do know that they can that, wait. Right? They don't have to announce it now. They're final yeah. seven. They don't have. Okay. To. I would not but do I don't that. I don't know why any other team would do that at this point because so much can change. You don't yeah. know what Sigma might do as well. So uh, the the there's still presumably a big uh, balance patch coming at, after stage four. So I I would wait until the last possible moment to decide. Now, if someone was to ask me now, and we had that discussion, yeah. I think it's it's very fair to say that the US has a tank problem uh, in terms of versatility. Their best performing main tank was super this season, unarguably, I think, but only on one pick, right? So the thing is, do you then bring in Muma, who has shown at least a baseline competence on on all the other t- uh, picks, also because he had more time or more opportunity to showcase that? Um, and then, like, do you or do you use your tank pick as the double up? That that is a problem. Mm. So here's my thinking, right? I think 
when you think of where Super will go, either you think that the uh, San Francisco Shock will pl now play Smurf in a, or will have much more rotation uh, to till the end of the season, and only use Super for a, a, a Reinhardt, or you put some confidence into that coaching staff that they have the ability to teach a player the baseline, what you can request of him to play on Arisa, on Hawk, uh, sorry, not Hawk, uh, on um, uh, Monkey, Lacking and ball. then also uh, potentially Sigma, right? Even though we can sure. discuss if that's even a main tank, but th still, I, I would I bet on the horse that is the um, the San Francisco show coaching staff would hope that they are able, because they probably want to count on Super, they don't want to count necessarily on Sinatra. I think they don't need to invest resources into Sinatra for the rest of the season. They probably have to invest uh, coaching resources into Super. So I get Super as my main tank, and then I look at the DPS and double up there. Yes, it might actually eventually create problems. Also, let's not... It is a, it's a little bit of a problem that you have to also incorporate public opinion because if you once again flunk out in first in the first uh instance wow. that you that it's possible for you to and you pick the unpopular picks woof, that's two for two for arrow in the public's eyes even though that's not at all the case and especially in this year it makes absolutely no sense how that stuff works behind the scenes right yeah so um but in that regard, maybe maybe there's some sway in that opinion. But I would personally go super, then pick my three DPS players. I would <laughs> honestly. Then you gotta gotta think. Okay, what what about Sinatra? It's I, I, it's hard for me to find a world. Granted, again, to to your credit, like there is going to be a balance patch. I just don't see a world right now where he fits in this team. That is that's the here's the thing. That's the weird. I'm part. not saying that. Not picking him is not the right... It is probably the right decision. But what kind of a world are we again living in where a potential league MVP yeah. is not a set starter for his local team and he's not Korean? You it's, should... It's insane. You, you... Immediately looking at this list, you want to just be like, okay, cool, Sinatra, Super, like, good, great players, right? Do they really fit, though? Do they fit this meta? Do they even fit their, their team? We're seeing them subbed in and out. It's hard to say. I think Super has probably the best shot here. And it's time we start talking about this because we've we've seen the hive mind at work, right? And mm -hmm. and Team USA doesn't just have a results problem, it has a PR problem in the sense that yeah. there's an expectation. Um and you can look at like the All-Stars team to just see how the Overwatch community, the competitive Overwatch community at large thinks. And it's recognizable names means results. And then when those recognizable names don't get results guess whose fault it is and uh spoiler alert it's a head coach and yeah. they coach for the dallas fuel <clears throat> so let's, let's not forget who voted arrow a second time it wasn't reddit plebs that don't have any idea what's going on behind the scenes it's the guys that have much closer proximity to what is actually going on in the top 500 place that talk to the players that were there that have an idea what uh Arrow is doing like it, it is. It is hilarious hu hubris of anyone outside of that circle 
and even potentially for that circle to assume to know what what era was uh doing wrong in the last uh, world cup right mm -hmm. like you you, you got to protect him or give him some slack in in most regards in most definitely this year remember yeah. who is uh who is the coach for uh for overwatch uh, over overwatch world cup season one for team usa I mean, that, I don't even consider that exists. We don't. But what did it do to their like largely? I don't want to say their career, but what has it done to them as a former head coach? It was Kai Kai what? and, and Kai Kai oh, and okay. Dallas Fuel in season one. Man, what a I train mean, wreck itself. And, and, and again, I totally agree with you, Joe. What a stupid take. I, is are people actually saying yes, that they're like, they well, Kai Kai coached World Cup 2016 and they sucked? Like, are, if if you're saying that, I, you just need to stay off but my they, timeline because so, that's ridiculous. They, that's the thing, though, is they are, and so I I feel immediately right away I feel for Arrow because he's got a few things, and honestly, uh, Anna Lynn as well. You've got coaches and GMs who have to combat multiple different things, and mm. there are even people who have said like, on as far as say like. If Team USA doesn't get second, then it's somehow I, a failure. It, it's a failure because they didn't pick D-Pay. Right. And like, listen, I love D-Pay. I love the dude. I, I've had limited interactions with him, but he's always been really nice. He likes the show. And so immediately you're a friend to me. But um, there's there's immediately this idea among a, a lot of people. And, and it's this idea that... Um, well, it is what we brought up before, right? Is that there are, how do you get the best 12 players on this roster that appeases both your competitive needs, which we already just talked about is like Sinatra mm -hmm. super. Do they fit the competitive needs of the meta and of this team at that moment? And you look at the teams and eight out of the 12, <laughs> eight out of the 12 players on this roster are on teams that are in the bottom 14 of Overwatch League. And you see you see these people like go just go read the announcement comments on Reddit, right? Go read them and immediately there's these conversations about like, oh, well more gladiators and we also dealt with this last week or last year with gladiators having too many players on World Cup. I think it was gladiators who so had too many players on World Cup and they had, they had some coaches and whatever and blah, blah, blah. And there was a whole other thing there. So, uh, all this to say, guys, chill the, chill the f*** out for a second. <laughs> just, can we just relax? You're stressing me out with your comments about like, and you have, right? Like, uh, S Sinatra has been a conversation about, um, in a as a league MVP. But when you look at the last stage an hour in two, 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 Yiska, don't you think that that conversation has maybe shifted a bit among like, more on the inside analyst writers, whatever. Hmm. I don't know. I like he wasn't. He was. I don't don't consider him to have had a drop off in stage three. But I mean, we still ne definitely need more stage four. Like the thing is, okay. Here's one thing that I see a little bit over, um, overdrawn. 
that this angle that Sinatra could ever only be a specialist. The thing is, he already, I think, considerably changed his play style from what he was on yes. Tracer and then what he became on, on Zarya. Even though, like, uh, I mean, echoing the, the argument from last, uh, last episode where I said, yes, there was some overlap. We considered there to be some overlap transitional uh, property in terms of, okay, track aiming or whatnot. But most of it was really like bubble timing and positioning. And that wasn't necessarily transferable to, between those two roles. And his ability to then adapt and like focus on... Keep in mind, this thing is a long time out. Maybe you can bet on his ability to grind out one pick. By the way, which I absolutely expect to probably... Or, no, let's say this. It's very likely that we're going to have a DPS pick that is being played the majority of the time by the time that this rolls around. Unless we actually go into a loop of super many balance changes whatnot. But even then, a meta will be established through Overwatch League. And unless there are severe balance changes between then and World Cup, that will sustain itself because teams aren't innovating during that time. Because there's virtually no Overwatch being played, right? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I just oh, like... Yeah. I, overall, I think that the roster delivered as well uh -huh. as it could on having the right names there. Obviously, you, there's some people who have opted out. You've got Jake, who I would say is probably sure. commentating again this week, this year. And so I think people will chill out about that. Like, stop, stop saying Jake. <laughs> just shut up. Um, but at the same time, there's a reason why Jake, even in two, two, two was like, we're kind of afraid of this guy. So, uh, among like Korean players and stuff. So like, you're like, well, is that the right choice? There's a lot going on here with team USA and there's a lot. And I don't want to say it's just not as simple as picking the best players Yeah. or the best coaches in the sense of like what qualifies the best players and the best coaches best mechanical players, best players who can work together on a condensed yes. practice schedule because they're also mostly playing in Overwatch League. Well, in this case, all playing in Overwatch League. It's, yeah. uh, it's, uh, hmm. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the thing that we also need to consider, and I'm not going to name names, but when a pick happens that very much surprises you that it did happen, consider that this player might be a shithead behind the scenes that nobody wants to work with. It is a very real possibility. Mm -hmm. Reasonable. Yeah, I mean, honestly, from what all, all of what <laughs> you guys said, I don't, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's like that hard. It's just, I, I agree, you know, there's a lot of pressure from the community, whatever, but I think... Coaches, they're picked for a reason. Like you said, the top 150 players I think picked Arrow. That's that's why he's there. Um, it should you shouldn't factor in community pressure when you're picking these players. You should again, like you said, wait as long as possible. Try and figure out who fits the meta the best. Figure out who's your starting main tank because I, do I don't really want to double up there. Uh, if I'm Arrow, don't rule out Fact as well. You know, if Fact has he obviously has a lot of synergy with space maybe valiant pops off and continues and has a strong showing in the playoffs and fact does play you know his his hero pool is pretty versatile so don't rule out him either pick mm -hmm. your main tanks pick the three dps players that you feel uh fill the need maybe the meta is 40 percent widowmaker then you include Corey and you build around that 
if there's no Widowmaker, if there's hard counters to the Widow, maybe you just you're happy with KSF's Widow, and then you build around someone else who's a specialist. Maybe Doomfist makes a return, and then Hydration and Sinatra stocks you up. So I think you just wait for as long as possible before you do that um, top seven lock. You don't don't care about what the community um, says. Just pick the roster you think is going to do the best. Yep, I agree. Easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. People don't. The thing is, people can't seem to like wrap their idea around this concept of like, yeah, but Pine was a all star, or uh, like mm. you know, and you have these. It, this is if my I could podcast. Roll my like, eyes any harder, I would. I, that's why listeners. I brought it up. <laughs> that's why I brought it up, and that's hopefully why podcasts like this and Tempo Ship exist because there does need to be and it's not overwatch league's fault but there needs to be more of an educated dialogue yes. about like, like i don't want to hear if i i, I don't want to hear no no nonsense when raucous gets put in because his on is actually quite good i don't yes. want to hear that sinatra is not being played because his hero pool just doesn't fit the meta like you you have to be a little bit more critical when you evaluate the stuff that it's just like my favorite player isn't in so i'm mad and like yeah. there's a reason why they're not playing and to be fair it's okay to be mad it's not okay to not understand why they're not playing yeah i, 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 I want to see good. sinatra play i like sinatra sure. i want to see sinatra play too bro but it's not as meta bro yeah. Yeah. which is why i think it's good that all of these coaches are being really transparent mm -hmm. and putting in like yeah. why they're picking players so we, we should have definitely done that last year as well but no no one really did that now it's kind of become meta and everyone's yeah. doing that and people are like well that's reasonable like the explanations are reasonable yes. i understand why he did this uh, you know maybe i didn't agree with this pick but the reasoning seems fair and we'll see how it goes uh but at least you get a little bit and i think on an Overwatch League level, it's a little bit harder because there's always sens sensitive information. Say a player isn't playing course, and yeah. you're asking questions, well, maybe it's a toxic player and you don't want to mm -hmm. say anything because it's going to hurt the player. Like it, It's different because it, their actual careers are at stake, right? Whereas World Cup, it should be a little more fun. Obviously, you're battling for pride, but it is for a little more fun. So it is more for the community more than anything, mm -hmm. I guess, and maybe to let some uh players shine or whatever so i think it's fine to just be transparent with these uh things explain your uh your picks and yeah so it's uh, it's all in place and i i like that most coaches are doing that yep. that's also the thing coaches aren't wrong in the picks that they made they can only be wrong in the reasons for why they made these picks yeah like you're bemoaning the the symptom of what is actually the underlying you can like the disagreement should be now you get the transparent argument from the coach why someone is picked you disagree or agree now you don't wait until the world cup yes. and confirm your bias and then i don't care about your opinion then because all it ma that matters is now to evaluate the opinion say okay this makes sense doesn't make sense and not like talk about the evidence that dennis presents saying, oh it was so yeah. obvious all along like that's yeah, the hindsight good. is 2020. I don't know why we didn't put Valiant lower. Yiska, blah, 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 blah. We put him in our top six. Therefore, yeah. we're, we're Overwatch idiots. Thickening them. But we are, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Um, any other thoughts? I mean, we've got Canada, China, South Korea, and UK rosters. The China Park. 
All right. Dogs in the chat it for would, China. It would not be a tactical crouch podcast with Joe if he did not get to like get his five minutes of fame to China. China is a region, by the way, everybody, and uh, Joe is, feels passionately about them. I mean, so you've got Jinmu, Elsa, Gushui, Leave, Eileen, Yuvital, and uh, Kyle. Jim. Like. I mean, Is okay, so, you, so you've got the Chengdu I'm, hunters. Okay, great. <laughs> I would say that it's kind of weird that Eileen's in and not like a hit scan specialist, but there again, like it's so far out that maybe that gets mm, rotated away. Doesn't um, Leave play some hit scans as well? He does. I don't remember him being all that fantastic at Widowmaker, but there again, like I think he's a prodigal talent that is going to crush in 2020. So and Rui made... probably wants, uh, like, remember that he signed with Chengdu and he yes. probably wants to give him a little stage time warm up for Overwatch yes. League as well. Yes, 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 definitely. Like, leave makes a lot of sense. Eileen is the one that I'm like, hmm. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a little interesting. I like a lot of Eileen. overlap with Jinmu. Yes, exactly. The only thing that I think Eileen brings is the Sombra, which I, I would assume that Leaf could play as well. So, like, leave and Jinmu cover a lot of bases there's a little bit of a hole for like a specifically like a widow specialist like a yang Zha long granted shy can't play but i'd love to see shy in there again um i'm sure there's a name i'm forgetting from contenders but like that that one's just a little weird maybe leave's been practicing widowmaker who knows but who knows widow might not even be meta who knows it's it's hard to tell but love love every every name here fantastic mm -hmm. team very strong roster Think they'll do they'll do very well very well yep velta has been uh very impressive as well i think and especially on the mercy i think he's very very solid makes very mm -hmm. few mistakes mm -hmm. and then yeah like just solid across the board uh Gushue also super super solid uh one of yeah. the better main tanks so is this a top two roster is this better is this roster stronger than team usa or the potential team usa roster i think so yeah without a doubt I mean, it, it, just like in power levels, I agree. It, it of course, like we we all know, it depends on the actual meta. Yeah, the yeah, meta is gonna. But if yeah. we had to evaluate it right now in in the two 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 kind of landscape, I I give China a, a sizable. Edge. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I like China a lot. Yeah, I think. And this is this is also being coached by somebody who I don't think gets enough credit in Ray. Mm. I think the guys that. The best coach you've never heard of, hundred percent. The 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 thing is with China's, I see very few roster issues in terms of like just like having the entire hero pool covered, mm -hmm. and much of it actually comes from Leaf. Like the the issues that we had with D picking DPS for the US, Leaf solves all of those, like single handedly almost, right? Yep. So I, he's yeah. I, I I can't stress it enough. You you've seen Jinmu. You like Jinmu? Great, cool. Wait till you see Leaf. You saw him last year, and I think people forget what he did last year in World Cup. He was a big reason why this team was so strong. Absolutely dunking on kids with Doomfist. Has a fantastic Genji. Yeah, you don't he literally plays me. everything. Yeah, yeah. He's you don't crazy. need to remind me. 
<laughs> I was I was on the receiving end of that pound. I forgot that I'm not. Gonna lie. <laughs> it's that's, a nut. That's too yeah. funny. Oh man. Uh yeah. So Team China, Joe's excited about big surprise. Uh subscribe on Patreon if you want Joe to talk about China more. If you don't want Joe to talk about China more, subscribe on Patreon. Um Okay. That's enough about World Cup. We talked a lot about World Cup. But we do need to take a look back. We are through our first week of stage four, which of course the the big elephant in the room there is that uh we saw our first week of two two two. We get to evaluate some of our initial gut reactions to how teams will improve plateau or uh get worse and um yeah so here's here's the big highlights and uh let's we'll send this one to joe dude because man china guangzhou goes 2-0 they defeat fusion in boston here in a 2-2-2 meta a team that we've seen definitely some highlights but we've also seen some low, low lights i guess in what uh, we've seen from Guangzhou so far. So what are your initial thoughts here on a team that is now two and O in stage four? I think as they get more comfortable from what I've seen so far, they're definitely going to trend upwards. Uh, next week's going to be telling of their ceiling potentially. Um, next week's opponents for the charge are London and spark who <laughs> don't look all that put together but there again um talking to mineral before the show i think he brings up a great point that you know a lot can happen in a week right that's a lot of a lot of time in between those matches uh we saw teams kind of evolve you know with match one and match two looking much better in match two and much more coherent and in, in the the 222 landscape so we'll have to see but i think this is a team that's trending uh trending upwards since stage three i think you know you look at stage three and you look at how they ended their uh their stage and coming into this this new dps focused landscape you've got players like happy you've got a lot of flexibility a lot of things a lot of a lot of positives for charge I think they're going nowhere but up. Nero as well. I think he doesn't get enough love. Yeah, Nero is a Nero is a stud. I, I mean, they had a very solid week. I think uh, the game against Boston. I think that doesn't tell you that much. I think no. Boston just looked really, really bad in that game. They looked much better the day after. Granted, but they just looked completely off. So that was kind of a walkover. Uh, the game against Philly was very close um mm -hmm. i liked kind of what i saw from them I, the only question marks i had were potentially the um, trace and somber compositions between nero and happy i'm still not super sold on uh, happy's um sombra but that's about it i think they cover almost everything i think nero has looked fantastic on pretty much every hero he's played yeah. uh i really liked some of the innovation they did as well um actually dropping a video uh, on that tomorrow the uh, composition they ran against philly uh, was this bunker with Azaria, which I don't think any other team did during uh, the first week, which was a very interesting uh, adaptation to kind of the main meta where uh, Hotba is on the Zarya and his only job is just bubble every hook. So for two maps, Poco couldn't land a single hook 
hmm. on, on Guangzhou's attacks, and then he was uh, forced to swap. So a lot of really interesting strategic, uh, strategically innovational things there that other teams haven't exper uh, experimented with. Again, I'll, I'll um, go more thoroughly into that uh, tomorrow, but those are the two maps where they absolutely dominated. The other maps were kind of close. Uh, they lost first one in the dominant fashion, fourth was very close, Junkerton map, and then fifth was close. And Philly didn't look that well towards the end of the week. So I think still a lot of things to prove for Guangzhou. They definitely look a lot better. Mm. Um, but so the same thing with London. I think they still have, like, London beat, they look very, very good. Granted, Profit is an animal. Yes. Um, he was absolutely pounding, but they also beat, uh, who, who did they beat? Defiant they and beat Defiant Fuel. Dallas, yeah. so <laughs> Again, a like lot to prove still. Yeah. So that game, I think, is I think both teams, uh, both London and Guangzhou, look like potential playoff teams. But I think both of them have a lot to prove, like who's actually uh, going to be able to make that um, uh, postseason push. Yeah. Yiska, have you heard of this player called Profit? <laughs> is this somebody yeah. that is on your radar as somebody to watch? I mean, London. Yeah. So Spitfire <laughs> did go two and zero in Week One. They beat Dallas and Defiant, as we already said. So. They're another team I wanted to talk about because, and Yiska, I want to get your thoughts on this because they, again, they're not the toughest teams. I think some people ranked Dallas a little bit higher in a 2 2 2 meta, but. Uh, Erroneously. <laughs> I don't know how. We could, we, I mean, God bless. man, we could talk. I mean, it's basically, here's, I have a theory, Joe. My theory is if a team, if a team did well in, a, in, in like a divish meta, or existed in a divish meta, they assume that they're going to do well in a two-two-two meta. That's my theory. That's that's my yeah. hive mind theory. I, I don't agree with it. Could see that, but that's the only reason why I see people uh, saying that. But anyway, Spitfire defeat Dallas Defiant. Go two and zero. They're up. They're looking okay. Are you are you on the the? Spit is this the time where the Spitfires start picking it up again? We all of a sudden get a team that's uh making making depends. a run for gold here. It really kind of depends on how the meta shakes out on which main tank pulls ahead. And I think that's gonna be kind of telling of the charge London match that's you know kind of leading Thursday this week. Um on, on which which main tank leads is it, is it going to be a wrecking ball or is it going to be the Arisa? which one is going to be you know the more picked more often uh which one is going to be played more often i think is going to dictate obviously the meta but out of these two teams it's going to kind of be the, the battle that i'm looking at you know you've got rio who has played it even in goats uh look solid on it kind of drafted strategies with that in mind and then gesture obviously showing that he is a fantastic Arisa player once again we were reminded you know last week we should have always paid attention from playoffs that he's an absolute monster and the team works around his halts very very well so it's it'll be interesting i i don't know that uh I, i'd love this to be a, a battle of styles where guangzhou sticks on wrecking ball and london sticks on a race of the entire game it's probably not going to be the case but it, it that's kind of where i'm focused on um but i i do think london has a lot of firepower to, to kind of put their backs against and and uses anchors that charge do but not to the same uh degree so you think yes, london go. overcharge next week yeah, I'm gonna say Money where London overcharge, like three one London. All right. 
Yiska, I mean, what's your thoughts on London so far? Are you, I mean, I know, I know you get a lot of content that you can recycle, uh, <laughs> but besides that, <laughs> like, how's your thought? What's your thoughts on London so far in uh, week one, stage four? The thing is, it's so hard to evaluate what, where they are. Like, it's, you, you can, you can, can look very, very good on the practice range, right? <laughs> but when it comes to war, it is, it's a different thing. So I'm confident we will be able to say something definitive after this week, maybe. Um, but I'm, I'm not willing to put all my uh, horses on, uh, on London there. If I, had, if I had to, I think also I would say London is at least semi-back. They should, probably shouldn't have an issue uh, with playoffs whatsoever. Um, at least play-ins. Let's say that. They're not going to drop off. And I'm not sure how many wins they have. I think they are already above uh, likely uh, play-in range. So they probably statistically have, not, not mathematically, but uh, percentage-wise, have clinched play-ins. I think I'm, uh, I mean, that's I can't tell by the Overwatch League website, but they, so you have division leaders, which is Vancouver and NYXL. And then you have other teams, which are Shock, Spark, Gladiators, and Spitfire. And then below that is postseason postseason playoff cutoff, which is mm -hmm. these other. So I, I don't think that means that they've clinched though. It's no, just no, how they're, they're it's how they're trying know, to say yeah. yeah currently in this moment, which is yeah, not helpful. Come on, Overwatch League. They're like four four wins and eight maps in the clear though. I think there's absolutely no way they're. Um, yeah, they're dropping out. I mean, they have they have games. This stage they have games against Florida, Houston, mm. Atlanta. I mean, all of these games again. If London drops the ball, yeah. they're losable games, and they have games against Vancouver and Atlanta too. Mm. Atlanta, who I think also looks better. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, th I thought Spitfire looked pretty solid. Burning looked solid. They only lost on Elios, I believe, which is by far their worst map. They look horrendous mm. on that map. Kind uh, of on the other. Yeah, and, and other than that, I think they looked pretty solid across the board. The dominant, the ones were pretty dominant on most of the maps that they played. Uh, granted, they were, you know, they almost got full held on uh, Hollywood against Defiant, but then after that, they just rolled them. Um, but it's just like like I told uh, Joe before the podcast is so difficult to gauge right now because even this week we saw teams. Um, completely turning around even within the week. You saw Outlaws uh, losing to... Um, who was the first game they lost to? Outlaws lost to Paris. They lost to Paris, and then they go up against Gladiators, and they beat Gladiators, who beat NYXL. But when you look at that game, that's not the same Outlaws that played against Paris. Not in terms of like the players or whatever. Well, granted, Dante play, did play a little bit more, but the starting compositions are completely different. So just within the week, the meta was developing. You have to understand that a lot of these teams, especially the teams that made the playoffs and potentially had a couple of days of break, they haven't scrimmed in 2-2-2 two -two -two much at all. So they start a little bit later. They go into their first days of scrims with a, like a preconceived notion, well, this should probably be good. Let's experiment. They eventually run into a team that has practiced it for a couple of days uh, um, longer than them, they own them, they maybe switch to that, but then they're not as well versed with that composition, so you're always playing catch-up if you made the playoffs. And a team like the Outlaws, they did make the playoffs. A team like New York, they did make the playoffs. So it does feel like it took them a little bit to catch up, but then 
Houston did make the adjustments against Gladiators. They come out with, again, some creative stuff there as well. Some uh, bunker compositions with Lucio Mora and Reaper where they just rush in. They they block off the enemy man. They just rush in, catch the Gladiators off by surprise. And no one can prepare for each other. Everything's just like a crapshoot. So I think we're going to get a lot more answers like week two, week three. But right now, it's it's sort of impossible to say, I think. Actually, uh, EEE and Chad, who I've also collaborated on with on a statistical article, he runs these Monte Carlo simulations, and he calculated that um, London is has ninety nine percent clinched uh, play-ins, but only thirty eight percent top six. Now that is, in my gut feeling, seems low looking at the rest of the schedule. Like, um, yeah, I agree. The thing is, let's actually look what the last couple of matches are for them. Like, so, so the next London? one is Charge, yep. then Mayhem. Yep. That's at least the one-one. Okay, yep. then you get into Vancouver. Worst case, one-two. I think they win against Outlaws fairly easily, two-two. Atlanta Rain. Okay, and then that was the last match. I th I think. I think that's a three-one. Even that's a. I, I think they they actually make it. I think I would give them a higher than fifty percent chance of making it. Yeah, I I think I agree, especially because not not just because of their schedule, but also the guys below them. Uh, there are nine maps in the clear uh, from Shanghai, so Shanghai is one game back. And but even if they get that game back, there's still nine maps behind. And then you have Seoul, who, are, who have a better map differential, but are two games back. Mm -hmm. uh, they're also kind of dropping, um, you know, they're, they're moving in, a, in, in the wrong direction. Seoul also has a tough schedule. They have, uh, uh, they still have Guangzhou, they still have uh, Valiant and um, Shanghai left. So there's no way I think that they go five and two at this stage. I think they're going to drop one or two more games, Seoul will. Uh, and after that, the teams that are trying to catch up, the Guangzhou's, the Atlanta's, the Valiant's, they, they can't really catch up. So I think just because of the teams right below them and their schedule and their current form, I'm fairly confident that London will uh, make it into the top six. You heard it here first. Let's go. I think they will too. I do, though. I, I do want to play a little game called Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is because uh, I need you to make some definitive, definitive, definitive statements about <laughs> it, uh, about uh, next week's matches. We've got a few coming up that are pretty exciting. We also have to get out of here. Guangzhou versus London. Joe, you said London? Yeah, Over London, Guangzhou, 3-1. Yeah. Mineral. Same. All right, Yuska says same, 3-1. London, Mineral. Oh, let's go three to Guangzhou. Oh, all right, spicy. I like it. I like it. What about LA Gladiators versus Shock Yiska? Shock. Scorp. Um, three one. All right, Mineral. I the maps. I uh, I agree with that. Shock three one. Joe. Unfortunately, I will have to agree with that as well. All right, oh, fair yeah, enough. Because you're the guy for the hot takes, it's just like always. Oh, I mean, you, there's there's hot takes. You just gotta hit. You gotta you gotta battleship me. You know, you just gotta hit the right one. You gotta hit the right match. What about this one? <laughs> Chengdu versus NYXL, Joe. Hmm. Something that people might gloss hmm. gloss past. <laughs> 
I think you may have hit my battleship, sir. <laughs> I think this C is Chengdu five. <laughs> C <laughs> that uh, gets a crickets. If I if I could hit the crickets button button, that would be a crickets right there. There we go. Just let's let that let that simmer, Chen. No, you it like was that? a good joke. You let that let that show. You man. <laughs> I think this is Chengdu one five. I think they, they continue with the control strats. I think they still take, I'm going to say hybrid. I think they win all of the control maps. They take hybrid three to Chengdu. This is a New York that's struggling, has been struggling. I, I understand Mineral's point in saying that a week can do a lot of things for this team, but they're having to field players that aren't necessarily comfortable at the roles that they're putting him on specifically liberal on the sombra mono looks a little lost this this team does not have a lot of i do not have a lot of confidence in this team i'm willing to say that they go one and one this week but i'm gonna say that chengdu beats them i think they i think new york beats paris but chengdu beats new york all right mineral what are your thoughts on this one I think 3-1. I have more confidence in New York. Again, I, I, I'm uh, piggybacking off my own argument in, in the <laughs> fact that I don't I don't think NYXL has had a lot of time to prepare. The fact that they That's actually right. went to the playoffs uh, and they looked lost. They looked very, very lost against, you know, I, I again, launched a video uh, today where they're just too slow to swap. Their starting compositions are all wonky and wrong. So they just looked out of sorts against the Gladiators and I think they'll uh, figure it out for next week. Whereas the Chengdu Hunters, 3-2 Philly, 3-2 Boston games were like a point away from going the other direction. The Philly one was literally lost until Jinmu just came in and like cleaned house and got a 4K, you know? So they're like a team fight away from being 0-2 last week. So I'm not, I'm not uh, that high on Chengdu uh, after week one. All right, Yiska, Joe hit us with the hot take, says Chengdu over NYXL next week. Mineral says, no, 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 no. Where are you yeah. on this one? I'm, I'm not prepared, as apparently Joe is, to call Pavani an absolute I idiot and terrible coach with <laughs> spinning on his on his record. I think uh, they have a lot of resources to fix this situation. And once committing, especially um, because it's the last game of the week, so that's the... Uh, like the most time uh, that they could potentially have to prepare for this. I also probably think they would, if if they want to give priority to a team, I probably would do it to Chengdu. And yeah, I, I think that's a New York three one. All right, Joe. This is this is where this is why we call Joe the Oracle because we get these really well thought out, like. Uh, opinions against what Joe says, but Joe ends up being right. So tune in next week to see if Joe's right. <laughs> because, yeah. uh, you know, I, I mean, if, I'd love to pass if, off the Overwatch Oracle uh, title to somebody else. So if, by if the way, Joe I wish was somebody a Pokemon, would, yeah, go ahead. Go do if it. Joe was a Pokemon. He would be China. Because Pokemons only say their name. That's the only word they can talk. And it's just like, okay, okay. who is this with? China. China. That, that's why I predicted China. gladiators to be NYXL, right? No Chinese players there. True. And who was right? Because I remember you picking NYXL. Yeah, I mean, you, you, only, <laughs> have, you only have the ability to be rational if there's no Chinese player on any team. Oh, yes, that's what it is. Okay. He's the Oracle. 
in a in, the problem is like his prediction rate went down so much by the introduction of three four four new uh -huh, china uh -huh, yeah what's yeah. the like china yeah, china yeah yeah and and where was houston and florida mayhem on your power rankings again that's right above chengdu and i'm a lord and you're not i i mineral we got to talk about this man <laughs> What, what, did, what did you guess? You made this man a lot. <laughs> oh, that's not first, true. Did, he, he, had, he had Chengdu over uh, us. I, I, I bet. I bet, Yiska, that Chengdu would place above either. And he took this. Not I, he, he accepted it. I was open to negotiation. I said Chengdu was going to place above either Florida or Houston. And he said, yeah. I, I'd even be willing to say both if they place above them. If I would, would I would win the title of Lord. Oh, before the season, right? Before I the season, obviously. Both, season. both Florida and Houston would rank above uh, Chengdu. Yeah, so, so I take a quarter of responsibility for uh, <laughs> losing that yes. lesson. Every, 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 fourth, <laughs> every fourth time I address uh, Joe, I'm going to call him Lord. No, no, no very no, good. No. Very good. Uh, when it comes to TFT, I already call him Lord. I just he's really good at it. So. Uh, uh, were you done with the games? Because I, I, I want to highlight one other game that I think is yeah, very important let's do next it. week. The Valiant Soul game, I think, is extremely important for Soul. Like, we, I addressed Soul a little bit, uh, but I think it's kind of a must-win game almost for Soul, uh, simply due to the fact, not even, forget top six, Soul has already dropped out of that, kind of. But if they slip any further, if they slip outside seven and eight, then they're putting themselves in a position where they have to win two matches two best of fives or best of sevens or whatever the playing uh, format is to get into the end of season playoffs. And, uh, you know, if, if they don't win that game, they're starting the stage 03, going to be very, very tough. And if Seoul end up, ends up uh, slipping down to like 12, 11, 10 range, do you trust them to beat like uh, Guangzhou and Atlanta and then Shanghai to get nope. into the playoffs? Nope, not a chance. I think it, feel, it feels like a must-win game for... Um, for Soul Dynasty, I think sort of for Valiant too. I mean, they're in mm -hmm. much worse shape, so I feel like that game just has so many, a lot of so impact. many implications. So yeah, yeah, I think whoever loses that game, you know, they're they're going to be in a really in a pretty bad shape. Certainly in the hot seat for for morale, for where they sit in the meta, and yeah, like you said, end of uh, end of season implications. I mean, it kind of kills the Valiant sure. overall. Like, if they lose that game, then they're at yes. nine and four. I don't think they can afford nine. to lose too many more. They cannot. They cannot. So, must win game, I think, for both teams. Yeah. All right. It's hard to call though, as well. Like predictions yeah. on that. Like, where do you? I I genuinely don't know where to where to fall. Yeah, those that are the ones where it's like, ask me again in a week, right? Like, <laughs> 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 that's kind of what I needed there for that for that match but we do need to get out of here it's time before we get out of here though we do need to first of all thank our patron producers battle crab maiden peter y thank you so much for supporting the show if you like the show go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch find out all the different ways you can support we really do appreciate it a ton so um thank you so much for supporting our a little podcast right here a little little weekly vent session for some um but yeah so head on over to patreon.com slash tactical crouch other than that five star itunes reviews what do we got going on joe 
Uh, five star iTunes reviews. We've got Ice Ham Jello coming the, in. The man, the myth, the legend. Coming in hot. I don't He's- know what you said. I don't know if you said anything, but thank you for leaving those five dank stars. Yeah, Ice Ham Jello has been amazing. Has supported the show through <laughs> gifted Easily, subs, yeah. subs, bits, all that, and now Big a five star iTunes reviews. What a legend! Big legend. So if you want to be like Ice Ham Jello, go to iTunes, leave a five star iTunes review, and uh, say something funny. And uh, you know what? We'll start. I'll start giving you those things to read, Joe. I How's will that sound? gladly read them as long as they're PG thirteen. Kids, don't be edgy. PG thirteen, that's fair. PG thirteen, make it happen, and uh, we'll read it on the next show. Really do appreciate it. All right, let's go ahead and get out of here for the week. Before we do, Mineral first. Thanks for being on the show this week, man. It was a blast to have you on here. I know, um, you know, we're no tempo shift, but we try our, <laughs> our best here, and uh, right. so really appreciate you coming on. Uh, shout no, out, to, always, yeah. Uh... Always, always, always a pleasure, and uh, I, I do have a lot of uh, uh, catching up to do to get to your, uh, to your level. So, uh, appreciate, appreciate you having me on. You stop it, you, you stop it. Uh, but uh, mineral, as for you, shoutouts. Like, where, where can people find you first and foremost, and then like shoutouts. What do you have going on this week? That kind of stuff. Uh, just watching all the Overwatch games. Um, making content uh, dropping daily videos sort of this week leading up to the games uh, mostly analysis videos on um on the games this week things i found uh, interesting so you can find it in my youtube channel mineral ow uh mineral underscore ow on uh, twitter and uh, yeah to to catch all of that all that content awesome uh let's go over to joe joe man what do you got going on this week where can people find you all that good stuff what do i have going on um i'm working on something was not a surprise question by the way (laughs) do the same one every week yeah i know i know um working on a big one trying to get that out um just want to say thanks to all the all the people you know dropping some love as of recently got a lot of uh kind words um, so again, heartfelt thank you. Um, definitely check out Minerals analysis videos. It's always helpful to kind of, um, you don't get to actively bounce ideas off of somebody, but having somebody kind of introduce um, new ideas to the way that you think about the game is always super helpful. So definitely go check that out. And yeah, follow me on Twitter. Uh, not too much else to announce past that. That's at Volamel everywhere, by the way, guys. Yes. Just Volamel. Just search for Volamel. Except for his TFT account, apparently, is something totally different, but whatever. Joe doesn't want to be friends with you on TV, T- TFT. That's why he changed it. <laughs> He's like, yep, kinda. Kinda. What can he say? Uh, Yiska, what about you, man? Shoutouts for the week. Where can people find out? Find you, and I don't know. You got anything cool coming up on Upcomer or whatever? Um. Yeah, I'm w- working on a weekly feature. Um, topic is determined. Can't talk much about it. Hopefully, it uh, like I have two topics in mind. Hopefully, it's the more impactful one that honestly is pretty close to my heart. Um, with player mental health. Um, but yeah, in general, you can follow the Twitter, and I'll post all my content there. Of course, Discord. Yes, uh, I also put it in the announcements there. So. That's where you can find me. 
where you have it. As for me, you can find me everywhere at Kick Tripod. Uh, mainly just do this show. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Kick Tripod. Twitter.com slash Kick Tripod. YouTube.com slash Kick Tripod. Uh, you can find everything there. I, I thought I had something to say extra on this, but I don't, apparently. So, oh yeah, this is what it was. Um, the Guangzhou charge this week had kind of say, who are your favorite Overwatch content creators? And a lot of you tagged uh, myself, Yiska, Joe, Tactical Crouch. Just thank you so much for doing that. That was really nice of you all. That was nice. We really did appreciate um, you kind of acknowledging us in that way. It means a ton. So uh, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And it is definitely like just kind of a great, you know, sometimes you just need the pat on the back. It's like, hey. Just so you know, keep doing what you're doing. That was definitely one of those. Keep doing what you're doing. But we got to get out of here. Before we do, uh, big thanks to everybody again for hanging out in chat. We had a ton of people in here this week. Uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. We record live Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash kicktripod. You can find the show everywhere else by searching for Tactical Crouch. We're right there. You can listen to us on your podcast feeds, YouTube, Spotify, wherever. We're there. Other than that, that's going to do it for episode 44. Again, make sure to go follow Mineral at Mineral underscore OW. Search for Mineral Overwatch on YouTube and anywhere else. Tempo Shift on all your podcast feeds. Uh, make sure to go check that out. Other than that, we'll be right back after the music for the post show. See you guys next time. Bye-bye.